Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in, everybody. Ethan here. Mike here. And welcome to the Blue Note Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things St. Louis Blues. It's episode number 30. Oh boy, this was a tough one. I don't know if you've ever actually like gone down the rabbit hole of some of these player numbers, but 30 was a really, really tough choice. I mean, you had several different players like Jacques Plante here at number 30, John Davidson. You know, I mean, some of these guys were were kind of one and done. Uh, shortly lived like Rick Wamsley, you know, he played here for a little while. Um, Rich Perrant, you know, just some, some shortly lived players. You're like, man, this is really good. Chris Osgood. Boy, that's, that's tough to beat here, but I'm going to go with one of our guys, you know, he's going to be a little bit more recent, but an original blues draft pick that should have stayed in St. Louis his entire career and that's Ben Bishop. Yep. That's Ben Bishop here. 222 career wins, 232 goals against average, and 921 save percentage. Boy, I mean, he only played 13 games in St. Louis. I truly wish that it was more. And if you look at it, statistically speaking, it's probably like one of his worst places that he's ever played. An 896 save percentage and a 283 goals against average he did manage one shutout if um, my memory serves me he came in what either just before the the shootout or like during the shootout that he came in Mm. it's something to that you know remind us i need to be able to go back and do my ben bishop research here but that was i believe like his first appearance um but ben bishop is definitely going to be the number 30 here and it's no no insult no you know to take away from any of the other players who have ever played and worn the number 30 here for the blues but this this was a tough one this was a tough one i mean he had a really really good career and obviously he's retired now but Mm -hmm. uh you know unfortunately for him i guess one thing the main thing that i think about with him now is how good he was in that game seven and 19 in the second round um, mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, being an American born goaltender, being from or playing minor uh, hockey in this area. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the best goaltenders to come out of this area, probably the best mm-hmm. if you look at his numbers. But yeah, I mean, a really good career. And it's definitely a shame that he wasn't a blue for longer. Um, yeah. Obviously trading him in, in 2012 to Ottawa. So uh, yeah, but either way, I had a really, really good career and was definitely a career that was cut short by injury. So yeah. Um, yeah, Ben Bishop props. I mean, his career numbers are fantastic as you laid out. So, yeah, I mean, no doubt a very good pick for number 30. And, you know, there was a lot of uh, options, but I think this is clearly the the best option when you when you add them all together, even though he didn't have like a, his best years with the Blues. Either way, though, you know. No, but I mean, again, 26 total players have ever worn the number 30 in St. Louis. And again, a lot of them were just one and done. They may have played one, maybe two seasons. But even at that, some of these guys were, you know, acquired during the season, trade deadline, you know, what have you. So their two seasons is, you know, like more like one and a quarter, one and a half here. So um, quite a few number 30s. Quite yeah. a few number 30s. 31, this is going to be an interesting go through. I'm only 10 players to choose from. So uh, it's going to be interesting. But I think uh, I think a few of our fans may know, you know, there's a few number 31s that are out there that clearly kind of separate themselves here from the pack. But that'll be for episode number 31. Yeah. And uh, before we get into this episode 30, we have to uh, thank the listeners, remind you to Check us out on social media. Hit the subscribe button. Check out the podcast. Give us a review if you love what we're doing. Get involved with the conversation over on Twitter at TBN Pod. Follow us on our personal accounts. Mine is at Ethan Carter SW. Mike's is at M underscore Meyer three. All right, let's do it. Uh, I suppose we go around the central before we get into this. Uh, since the season is in full swing, and they made sure to make the Blues be the last team to uh, have the puck dropped, but uh, mm-hmm. didn't affect them in any way. Uh, which wasn't expected anyway. It's pretty much two years in a row of this. But uh, let's go around the Central, and I guess we'll start in uh, Arizona. 
Yeah. I don't want to take too much time here in Arizona. Yeah. 0-2, negative 7 goal differential. I mean, do we really need to be able to say more? I'm sorry to my Arizona fans. I really am. Gosses Bear, he does lead the team three points in two games. Vilmeca, five and a half goals against average with an 884 safe percentage. Chickren's practicing. Yep. They have getting ready to start at least or something close to that. That'll change it all, I'm sure. Um, yeah, they haven't really been the scrappy team that I thought they might be to this point. It's early, but it's uh, only and been it's, two games. Yeah, it's unfortunate uh, with the way they've started. It was kind of expected, and I feel bad for for uh, Haynes Evans, one of our best guests on this show, having mm-hmm. to watch this. But uh, give it time, I suppose. And I'm really curious to see like Gostas Bear. I feel like he could be a if he continues to produce the way that he has in Arizona. I think he could be a really interesting name at the deadline. Um, which that's a that's yeah. really says with their franchise is at it. That's my first thought two games into the season. Yeah, it just it really depends if they want and view him as a long term steady rock, like on the blue line, or if they say, okay, let's cash in and let's see what we can be able to get here for him. I I think that they would be dumb not to at least just throw his name out there and just see what teams would offer for him because we. We know Bill Armstrong and how he operates. If he operates anything like Doug Armstrong, I would think that in the situation that they're in, which is a full-on rebuild, he's 29 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd think you have to try to make a move there if his value is high because he had 51 right. points last season, mm-hmm. uh, getting back to where he was what four or five years ago in Philly. So you would think that they're definitely going to put him to. I would see that. I could see them trading him before they trade Chickren, despite the fact that Chickren wants out. I could see Gossesburg being a guy that gets a lot of looks uh, for other teams. Can you imagine how pissed off Chikrin would be? <laughs> that would be tough to swallow. If you're oh, it would be hilarious. Be hilarious. Yep. All right. Enough Coyotes talk. Chicago Blackhawks, not like it's much better. <laughs> They're one and two. Patty Kane, he has yet to score a goal. Surprising. I mean, again, it's only been three games, but at the same point, it's been three games and Patrick Kane has yet to score a goal. Jason Dickinson and Tyler Johnson lead the team with three points. If you had told me three games in at this disastrous Chicago Blackhawks team that Patrick Kane has yet to score a goal and Jason Dickinson would be leading the team or at least co-leading the team with three points, I I would just be curious as to what you're on because there's no way I would have gone here with that. Dickinson, he got his goal. Uh, again, You know he's got one goal, two assists. He got them both. Um, all three points here, rather, in one game. Kind of surprising. In net, you got Alex Stalock. Uh, he's the one here with a better record. He's 1-0 with a 1.30 or 1.03 goals against average and a 973 save percentage. Highly unsustainable. Yeah. So if you have him in fantasy, I would say sell, 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 sell right now. If somebody is willing to, be able to buy Alex Stalock based on that record, I don't know how you managed it, but that's some voodoo magic that that you got going on. So that game that he played was against San Jose, who's zero and four, and he set or uh, no, he actually he faced uh, he faced Vegas. Never mind, he faced Vegas. Uh, but I was going to wonder how many shots there would have been. So yeah, he saved 36, 37 and got the loss. Okay. Uh, but I will say from what I've seen from Chicago, and by the way, they traded for Dickinson like two weeks ago, right? I think they traded mm-hmm. Stillman to Vancouver. So yeah, yeah, that's a bit of a bizarre deal at the time. Dickinson looks good now, but that's probably not sustainable either. But I will say no. Jonathan Taves is getting less ice time than he has been in the last few years, but he looks pretty good that's out there. Not so. surprising. Yeah, that's that's kind of the only thing that stands out to me with Chicago is we knew they'd be bad, but I was interested to see how Taves would come out given all the talk around him and kind of the way mm-hmm. the last few years have gone for him. He's looked pretty good to me. He's playing like 15 minutes a night, which is a couple minutes less than his career average. But uh, yeah, I don't think there's really more point to talk about Arizona and Chicago on, on this episode, to be honest. No, no. Moving on just to Colorado, they really haven't played since the last time we spoke here on Thursday. They're one and one on the season. They're playing Monday here against the Wild. That should be a really good matchup. That's one to be able to pay attention to. If I get the chance, I'm going to try and peek into that one a couple different times throughout the night. But 
Um, I don't want to talk too terribly much here about Colorado. Rantanen's looking fantastic. Um, their goaltending, I think, is going to be more of like a, a platoon here rather than, yeah. you know, a, a one, a sole, like number one kind of type of situation. But um, if you're interested, you know, we break down the the abs here on our last episode. Go back, be able to take a peek here at them. But um, they're just going to be rolling despite a one and one record, you know, there's, there's they no might score here. 14 goals against the wild. Like they might, like you look at the way the wild have played. I mean, they might score 14. We'll get to the wild. Yeah. We'll get to the wild. So let's, uh, let's do a quick stop here down in Dallas. They're two and oh, Dallas stars two and oh, they beat the Preds and the jets combining with a nine to two effort. Ottinger looking like a Vesna goaltender with a 1.00 goals against average and a 968 effort again through both games. Hints Robertson, they're tearing up four points each, a combined three goals and five assists. Is there much to say here about Dallas just yet? I mean, like their their top line is going to combine for like a million points this season from what it looks like. They're a I very mean, top heavy team. Joe Pavelski seems to not age. Uh, he's got three points no. in two games, but I'd like to see them play, you know, teams outside of the central as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Nashville was a little bit of a hangover from Prague, probably still going since they are 0 and 2 since returning to the States. But, um, you know, the Jets, who knows what they are at this point. Uh, but, um, you know, Ottinger with the way last season finished and how great he was, it was a lot of expectations coming into the season. And he certainly answered the bell to this point. The only thing that I'm worried about if I'm Dallas is how does goaltending behind him work out, which I believe is Wedgwood, their backup. So, mm-hmm. Who knows how that works out? But yeah, Robertson just signed in the big extension. He looks great. Marshman's off to a great start there. So it's one of those rosters that's always going to be competitive uh, this season, but I don't know how high their ceiling is, but they're off to a, a really good start. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think they've got a little bit of a higher floor and potentially a lower ceiling. Yeah. yeah. So, which is something I would still be very, very content with. Very content with. You know, I would much rather say, okay, our bottom line is still playoff worthy. Um, it may not be Stanley Cup caliber, but boy, who knows? I think most I mean, of the central is know. like that. I think most of this mm-hmm. division is like that. I think the Jets have a higher uh floor than the ceiling. I think the Preds do. I don't I, I think the Blues probably do too. I think that none of the central other than the bottom two and then Colorado, everybody else feels like one of those teams. Yep, absolutely. All right. You're the one you actually went in here and you added these Minnesota wild notes. So I'm going to let you talk about your guy, Mike Russo and the Minnesota wild here for a second. Well, let's just put it this way. The wild have been maybe one of the worst defensive teams to watch this entire season. So they play their first game against the Rangers. They lose seven to three. They get smoked. Then they play LA. They got Kevin Fiala coming back into town. He scores a goal against them. Seven to six loss. 14 goals in two games. It's hard to be 0-2-0 when you score nine goals in two games. Thank that you, feels like Marc-Andre a, Fleury. Yeah, that feels like a diff, difficult thing to do. And uh, my guy, Michael Russo, who... You know, me and him in the playoffs last year, even though I don't really think, I think he was trying to act like he didn't care what I was saying, but we know he cared. Uh, he tweeted a noteworthy quote from their forward, Matt Zuccarello. I will bleep out the F word here. I won't say it, uh, just to be professional. Uh, Zuccarello said, quote, you can't expect to win games when you let in 14 goals in two games. Sometimes we play defense like we're a, quote, uh, effing junior team. Fracking. Fracking. Yeah. Is that- Add that one. Yeah, I like that. Uh, it's the whole team we've got to sharpen up. And to to that, I say, wow, because it's a Minnesota team that has to be competitive and win within the next couple of years. And they're not doing that. And I know it's two games, but man, to give up 14 goals in two games. Now, New York is a very good team. They look like maybe the best team in the league early in the season. LA, who knows? But 14 goals in two games after you trade Cam Talbot, you pay Mark Andre Fleury. You've had like the same defense for the most part for like five or six years, and it just hasn't worked overall on a consistent basis. So, I don't know your thoughts on this Minnesota team, but it is ugly to start. They need to get their goaltending figured out. Um, as a Blues fan, I I'm looking at this and just laughing 
because <laughs> they made the wrong choice. Like they clearly made the wrong choice here. I don't understand the decision to go with Marc-Andre Fleury because you were already, when you acquired him, you acquired the shell of Marc-Andre Fleury. He's already on his way out, even though, yes, like he looked good at times. He flashed some good leather. And then you pay him. I don't get it. And then, like, who else are you going to have save your bacon? Philip Gustafson? That's not going to happen. So, boy, you better believe that Billy Guerin's probably having some good conversations with Marc-Andre Fleury and their head coaching staff of saying, what the hell is happening? Again, I get it. It's only two games. But, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, things are not looking good here for Minnesota. He... I mean, he wasn't that good in the playoffs last year against the Blues. Nope. He had 906 mm-hmm. in five games. And I don't know. It's just a bizarre, like, to to put your eggs into the basket of a 37-year-old, soon-to-be 38-year-old goaltender is just a really tough move. I mean, he's got an 837 goals against. Well, you look at, I mean, Edmonton did the same thing with Mike Smith. Yeah. I don't understand that move either, but, I mean, I for some reason, these NHL GMs think that they can just ride the coattails of somebody who is well beyond their prime. Mark andre Fleury definitely had a substantially better prime of his career than what Mike Smith did. Yeah, But to say that we're going to allow all of our team's hopes to rely upon a goaltender that's over the age of 35, I think is bizarre. Just just bizarre here. So all right. I'm done with Minnesota. Yep. Again, this isn't this isn't a, a Minnesota podcast, but we want to be able to give you enough details as far as what's going on. A good look. Know your enemy, as I always say, and and many other your brilliant people have said. So that's something we want to be able to continue to do here with this pod. But um the Nashville Predators, two and two. Two straight losses here now since return to the States, both at the hands of the Dallas Stars, looking mortal after all, allowing nine goals over three games. Nino Nino Ryder, he is clearly on pace for 82 goals, plain and simple. Four goals, four games. Mikhail Granlin, Michael Granlin, however you want to be able to pronounce it, three assists in four games. Biggest standout here to me, though, is Ely Tolvanen. A goal and three points in, again, four games. He is definitely one that struggled to get started here. And he he had some peaks and valleys. You know, he would score a little bit here and there, but could never really be able to put anything together. And so I'll be very interested to see what happens with Tolvanen. Does he be able to keep it up? Does I mean, is he a huge surprise breakout? I made a point here actually in a fantasy draft last year. And I drafted him and I said, this is going to be the steal of the draft. This guy here is going to be a breakout stud. And I was clearly wrong. Maybe I was a year off. I'll be very pleasantly surprised and happy. I mean, because I've got actually, I really like him. But I would be pleasantly surprised if I was just a year off. So um, keep an eye here on him. And I'm going to keep an eye on him. You'll be able to to see exactly how he's going to keep performing here. But um, Nashville is looking interesting i mean again it could be another Prague hangover it could be yeah whatever they got la uh on tuesday this week we'll see how they perform there i think that's going to kind of tell us where they're at now that they're mm-hmm. away from dallas because they've played four games and against two teams total so it's a little bit mm-hmm. of a different different animal there's three things that stick out to me with this team and it's the duchene and forsberg haven't really done anything yet this season uh, Duchesne is a minus two with one goal. Forsberg's a minus three with one goal. But one thing that sticks out to me positively is that Ryan Johansson, I think, is off to a really good start. He's uh, got three points mm-hmm. in four games. He's got a goal. He's also 66% in the faceoff circle. So I think that's a huge deal there. That's great. Uh, for him. But yeah, I did this team, you know, off to a slow start. Yossi hasn't really had a good start either. So um, I think they'll figure it out. I mean, uh, Lankinen was really good in the one game that he played, but I believe that was against San Jose. It might have been against Dallas, though, but I'm pretty sure it was San Jose given the numbers here. So, um, yeah, I mean, 
I think Nashville will be fine, but uh, definitely keep an eye on them moving forward just because they've come back from Prague and they've looked horrendous because they've scored two goals since returning. And they're also 27th in goals against, but uh, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, it's this has been a, a playoff teetering team the last couple of seasons. And so I'll be very interested to see if a couple of the additions in the reshaping here like of the squad a little bit is is going to be a huge change so all right let's head up uh across the border winnipeg coaching changes clearly helped they're running away with it one and oh in the season one and oh they outscored the new york rangers four to one hellebuck saved this team's bacon though he stopped 40 of 41 shots against the new york rangers which against that team, uh, they've got some real good snipers that are on that team, and that is not an easy feat. This is going to be another interesting squad with the watcher throughout the season. We previewed this. We talked about it last time. It's going to be an interesting squad. Ehlers and Shifley lead the team each here with two points. Again, it's one game. We're not going to dive too terribly much here into it, but thoughts here with the Jets so far? I think it was the Rangers. Was it the Rangers on a back-to-back? I think that's probably one thing that I would point to if I'm the Rangers. Uh, I think they played the Wild the night before, um, but I could be wrong on that. It could be the other way around. But I will. If they still get the Jets' defense is still kind of a problem to me. I mean, they give up mm-hmm. 41 shots. I know it's the Rangers, but still, I mean, um, that's not the most encouraging thing. And they also beat the Rangers with Halak in net, so it wasn't Shesterkin. Uh, I think that's another factor that you have here. I'm not trying to, you know, bring the Jets down per se, but I think you take that win with a grain of salt. And, uh, you know, they're a team that's going to be interesting. Like you said, their schedule coming up, they got Dallas and Colorado and Vegas and Toronto and St. Louis. So going to find something out about them early in the season, whenever they play those teams, because their schedule in October as a whole is difficult. I mean, like I said, Dallas, Colorado, Vegas, Toronto, St. Louis, LA, Arizona, Vegas. That's mostly playoff teams, right that's there. That's a so. difficult. See, yeah, that's a difficult month. Very that, difficult. You month. know, they got uh, Vegas twice. I think LA is probably a playoff team. If not, they're a fringe playoff team. Toronto and Colorado are two of the best in the league. Obviously, we think the Blues are good in Dallas. So yeah, that's going to be uh, a bit of a uh, you know, where's this team at type situation. Now in mm-hmm. November, their schedule is more of a half and half deal, but. Uh, yeah, we'll see what Rick Bonus does, but uh, they are first in the league in goals against with one. So there you go. You can hang a banner. There we go. All right, let's shift to some Blues talk. What do you think? Here we go. Yep. All right. I want to give you just a quick 30 seconds overall thoughts here on the game. Again, unless you're living underneath of a rock, the Blues won last night 5-2 to two, or I guess two nights ago. They won Saturday. Whenever you listen to this pod, they won Saturday, five to two here against um, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Ethan, give a quick thirty seconds, quick overall thoughts. I don't, I don't want to dive. I want to dive into this game, but I don't want to look too terribly much into it. Again, it's one game because we can we could break down every last little detail of this game if we truly wanted to, but it's one game. Quick 30 seconds. Well, you start off the season with a win. That's always a good thing. I think they came out with a lot of energy early. I think Jordan Cairo was really all over the ice in a lot of uh, early situations. And then they kind of fell asleep in the second period, let Columbus get by him a couple times. And then they do, They, I think they did what good teams do, which is they punch back in the third period and take it over. Now, it got a little dicey there when they weren't scoring for a long time in the third period, but they did what good teams do. They score five goals. I don't think this team's going to have any trouble scoring goals this season. So I think that's a big mm-hmm. takeaway now. Columbus on a back-to-back, they've looked terrible. So once again, you don't you don't look too far into that. Yeah, I don't know if there's really much more to add. I mean, again, it's it's one game. They came out, they looked great in the first five minutes. They looked great. And then for whatever reason, the remaining 14 and change and the second period, they just kind of put it into second gear. I I don't know. 
Barbashev, he looked good. I mean, the top six here like look good, but I was very, very um, impressed. I think like with the third line and their versatility and um, their ability to just change on a dime of, of water that the team needs. And that was, I think the thing that really stood out to me here the most was the third and fourth line. Um, Alexei Torbchenko came out and boy, he tested that shoulder early with five hits and boy, I mean, he had a couple of really great stuff. So um, if wrap up this here, just with a quick bowl overall thoughts, I mean, I, I think it, it was a good game. Could have been better again for another team, for a team who waited the longest to play. And you're playing against a team here on a back-to-back could have been better, but still a good, still a good game. Still a win. Yeah. I mean, yes. Can't expect much more. I think Columbus seems pretty disastrous there to start. Um, I don't know how good people thought they would be. I thought they would be a playoff team. It's still early. But really starting out this badly is never a good thing. No, no. All right. Thoughts on performances. Who stood out to you? We'll do two players each. Well, I'm going to throw two Russians out there. I'll throw Ivan Barbashev, who, you know, I said some things about him this offseason. Like, I didn't think he'd produce as much as he did last season. I still think that's probably the case. But he looked good to me. He looked the same exact as last year. He's hitting guys. Mm-hmm. He's scoring goals when you need him to. That was a really good shot. On that play, I believe it was, uh, what was it, Buchnevich to Shin to Barbashev, something like that. Uh, just, yeah, I think that third line, like you said, I think that's a perfect line to start the season with because neighbors can really fit in and play alongside mm-hmm. Shin and Barbashev at a high level. And then Tarasenko, for all the things that have been said about him the last couple off seasons and all the rumors around him, and he just scores two goals. And I think if you're Brad Larson and you watch them turn the puck over, both times Tarasenko scored, he was by himself the first time. Had like he could do whatever he wanted for like five seconds and then shoot it. And then the he, second he one, he could have he could have ordered room service. Yep, had the team bring it out to him, set a plate, all the time, all the time, in the world. And then the second one was just one of those plays where, as I think it was Panger on the broadcast said, that Merz Leakins was more focused on when he was going to go off for the uh, for the uh, extra attacker instead of stopping the puck. So mm-hmm. that's pretty much what happened there. And then Goudreau couldn't really defend that. But yeah, Tarasenko doing what he does. He might score 164 goals this year. We don't know. We'll see. We have nothing but hopes here at this point. So yeah, it was a Russian invasion last night here for St. Louis or the Russians to the rescue or however that you want to be able to classify it. But um, first player that stood out here to me was Pavel Buchnevich. Holy freaking crap. He looked great here this game. He had several great scoring opportunities. I mean, the team passed so many times. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was death by passes at times here throughout this game. Buchnevich was no exception here to this rule. I mean, he could have had easily three three goals that game. Um, He looked great. In the first period, there was a monster hit. Here, I believe against Jenner that, I mean, just the, the that section of the arena just lost their minds looking here at it. And I believe it was actually gift like on the Blues Twitter page. So if you get the chance, go over there and be able to take a look here like at the monster hit. And then he goes down the other end of the ice and he scores a goal. So, I mean, he was he was just a man just just possessed here. And I'm super, super pumped here to be able to see his season. Um. Jordan Pennington, here's the other guy who here stood out here to me. Again, when the Blues, they had a lack of offensive pressure, and I'll be able to get into this here just a little bit more. Bennington saved this team's bacon on multiple occasions because if he did not stand up to some of the play here of, well, not if not some, all of the play of the Blue Jackets at times, this this easily could have been a 5-2 to game. The other the other direction very, very easily could have been a five to two Columbus game. So I, I really, really truly appreciate the play of Jordan Bennington here during this game. So for me, the two players stood up again, Buchnevich and Bennington. Yeah. I mean, I I think Buchnevich might be the best overall player on this team. I mean, he literally does everything and Mm -hmm. he's, he can skate real well. 
He's got a really good shot. I mean, that that pass by Krug on the goal was filthy. Just a no-look pass. Oh, yeah. Just a, yeah. a great play. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the Blues are uh, second in the league in goals against, right behind Winnipeg with two. So take Gotta that. It. All right, so if you've got some criticism, again, we, I don't want to micro – Dive, however you want to, to go into this here. I mean, I don't want to criticize every last little bit of play here, but if you got some criticism here for this game, I want to hear it. I know it's... Because there's, there's, there's enough. Yeah, I, I know it's like one of those things where people just kind of always point out these little things with Pareko, but he still makes these just mind-numbingly stupid plays with the puck. And, and it wasn't that bad in this game, but there was a couple where you're like, why does he do that? Now, one thing that I like to see is when he almost murdered two players in the Columbus Blue Jackets with those back-to-back slap shots late. They in that earned period. their paychecks. Yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> like, finally see him wind him up, and he did it a couple times there, but he just makes some really plays that are just bizarre. But, yeah, I mean, they kind of lost – some energy, some juice in the second period. And like you said, it could have easily been the other way around with the score. And Columbus, they played well in the second period, but they also played like a team like this is pretty much all they have. It's a back-to-back. Their schedule, I know they're 0-3, but their schedule's been very hard. They go Carolina, Tampa, St. Louis. I mean, that's three teams that are going to be top 10 in the league, no doubt, you would think. Yeah, absolutely. It's not not uh, an easy schedule by any means, but – uh, yeah, I think I'd also criticize maybe um, I'd like to see as much as we love watching Kairou explode with the skating, I'd also like to see maybe just this team is really good at passing, and I think there's also l- some laziness that comes out late in shifts or late in periods with passing. There's a couple turnovers that led to odd man rushes or breaks for Columbus. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a really good passing team, but when you're a really good passing team and you pass as much as the Blues do – you're bound to make those mistakes so I can forgive those. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think mostly everything checked out. I think the thing as a whole, if I had to put everything into perspective, the unit that looked the best to me, if we're going to separate everything from top six and bottom six, the bottom six looked fantastic. So mm-hmm. I think if they can keep that up, they'll be fine. Um, but you definitely like to see him play a full 60 against Seattle on Wednesday. That's a, you know, another opponent that you should handle easily, and they've done that to this point in Seattle's run in the NHL. This is obviously year two, and they're still really bad. So that's just uh, not too worried going into the next game because I think most – a lot more positives than negatives uh, overall because the first and third periods were pretty good, despite the fact the Blues did not get very many shots early, which was surprising. Right. Very low amount. Right. Well, and I'll that actually just transitions here really well, and I'm going to piggyback off of something that you just said. The Blues need to play a full 60. The second period was obviously terrible outside of the first five minutes. And I had to take a look here at this because Tom Timmerman here actually tweeted this out because um, he had a better look at the the counting stats here at times than what I did. The Blues did not have a shot on goal in the final 14 minutes and change of the first period. 14 minutes. I, I will give columbus credit but this has got to be better especially against a team that was playing their third game in four nights and second game of a back-to-back columbus looked real good at times i mean frustrating the blues the blues at times could not get any sustained offensive pressure they could not get anything going here at times on the power play um, on their second power play attempt here you know they started their second unit they looked really good. Once they cleared the puck, they they changed over here to their first power play unit. They could not, they barely could be able to break into, into the offensive zone, let alone get anything set up. And then from there, I mean, Columbus just, they kept collapsing the net here when needed be. They kept things here to the outside. They kept um, just preventing any sort of shots here from getting through. Like you said, Colton Pareko, I mean, he had two monster slap shots, but at the end of the day, and, and Pareko even came out here with this at, at the end of the game here during the um, post-game conversations. He said, you know, I want to be able to start shooting more, but at the same time, he goes, I think I need to get those shots off a lot quicker. And that's true. I mean, every single guy had the chance to say, do I, do I not, do I, do I? yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I'll go ahead and be able to block it. Yeah, I'm going to do it. They had all the chances in the world to decide whether or not they're going to actually sacrifice themselves here for the better of the team. 
So the team needs to play a full 60. And like you said, I think this next game here up against Seattle will give them a good chance. They're not an easy team. I mean, Matty Beneers, I mean, he's already got four points in two games, three games here right now. Schwartz is looking pretty good, but overall, this should be a win here for St. Louis. So, I mean, it should be a really good game and a good test for them just to say, okay, let's let's work on some things. Let's get some some really good exercises here up and going. Um, but they've they've got to be better about working through any bit of additional clogging that the team here provides and god shoot the puck stop passing so much again it was death by passing here at times so again i don't want to be able to break this down i mean just do like a, a, a bit by bit but boy that's there's there's certainly some some frustration that was happening here last night especially coming from me at some of these things that the blues were doing yeah i i don't have any doubt i mean maybe before I guess after we do the three stars, we can talk a little bit about Seattle and that game coming up because I got a few things to say about them. But I suppose yeah. we do the three stars of the night now. So, yeah, and I think it's important. You know, that again, we were talking about this here beforehand as we wanted to be able to introduce this um, here this season. Um, we're going to do a three stars here of the night, just because there's only been one game. But overall, I think moving forward, we're going to do a three stars of the week. I think it's important to be able to look here like on a week by week basis. You know, we started last season kind of doing a uh, what do we call it here? I mean, it was a come on, man, you know, like do better and a uh oh boy, what do we call it? Stud muffin. Yep. That's initially here what it was. So we're gonna go a little bit more traditional, I think, with a three stars. For me, my number one star, Jordan Bennington. Again, he's the guy who kept you in this game here the entire time. He he absolutely deserves the number one star. I mean, he he let in just a couple of fluky goals. That's okay. I mean, it it just it it happens. But he is a guy who kept you in it. I mean, he made twenty three of twenty five saves. Uh, on the other side, I mean, Merzlikens, he stopped twenty of twenty five. <clears throat> so the Blues gave same amount of shots here but you know Bennington again he kept his, his team in it so um well, why don't you let's keep let's actually let's alternate let's have you do your number one here as well and we'll just kind of keep going through I'm going with uh Tarasenko scores two big goals uh scored the goal to make it two nothing then scored the goal to make it five two uh mm-hmm. just a really solid game just a Tarasenko like game where he's shooting the puck and and he got some – I mean, Columbus gave him better chances than I think most teams are going to give him. So the fact that he's able to bury both of those, I think, was a big deal. And uh, I'm thinking he's going to score a lot this year. So already two. I think I could say the exact same thing here with my second star, with Pavel Buchnevich. Again, he looked like a man possessed here last night. There was times that the entire team didn't look great, but – he he himself here looked real good. He was hitting. He was in on the defense. He was in on the offense. He was in. I mean, every single time that he was on the ice, you looked for him to do something dangerous. And boy, he again, he could have had three goals here at this game, but he looked real good. He's my second star. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Um, I'm going to go. I Buchnevich obviously deserves to be on there, but I'll, I'll throw Barbashev on there, you know, just. Yeah, he was doing what he does all over the place, mm-hmm. making hits. Uh, just a really good fit on that third line, and then scores a goal. Uh, what, did he score the? He scored the goal to make it three two, right? Yeah, so he scored. He the, scored uh, the game winner. Yes. Yep, game winner right there. So yeah, e- easy pick for Barbashev. Yeah, and I'm gonna go Tarasenko here with my third overall, uh, third star. Two goals. He looks real good. He looks real good here at this point, and. This is no slight to put him below Buchnevich because, again, I mean, he did perform better offensively than what Buchnevich did. But this is more of a 2A, 2B-esque type role. Um, And I just think that Buchnevich had a better overall game than what Tarasenko did at all areas of, of the game. Tarasenko looked real good offensively. And, again, it's no slight to him here whatsoever something to be just really super proud here about because this entire 
trio helped carry this team here last night. So um, Tarasenko, extremely proud here of his performance. Third star. I'll go with uh, Bennington for my third star. Just, you know, keeping the team in the game, like you said. Uh, just starts the year with a nice 920 save percentage and a 1-0 record. Uh, made the saves when he had to. I think the Corrali goal was just a really good offensive play. Uh, for some reason, I can't remember the other goal, so there you go. Um, but, yeah, Bennington, sharp. You hope you get this from him all season because you're going to need it. Um, so, yeah, I think that was uh, – there wasn't many, like, outside of the four total players that we picked, I would say that, you know, there weren't many others that you could really consider. I think Neighbors would be deserving Neighbors of that. Neighbors would definitely be one. Yeah. yeah. And I thought Shin, you... Shin had a good game. Yeah. Uh, Nyquist, he scored the team's first goal. Right, yeah. So And then it was all confusing because the broadcast was saying it was uh, somebody else, but then I was like, I'm pretty sure Nyquist scored that, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So um, here after the game, it was really interesting. I mean, it was great being able to talk to Jake Neighbors. He was extremely humble here, giving his teammates all the credit in the world, you know, for his play, his ability to be able to score the goals. Um, I mean, again, it was 20 seconds here between the Barbashev and Neighbors goal. Their line here looked real good. But Andy Strickland tweeted out here this morning, regarding a comparison to a former NHLer, Brendan Morrow, saying regardless, he plays such a mature game with underrated puck skills, hangs on to pucks, and can maneuver in and out of traffic. Line of him with Barbashev and Shen were outstanding last night. I'll take a Brendan Morrow. I mean, he's not going to be... I don't think that Neighbors has the upside of like... 80, 90 points. I don't think that that's the type of player that he's going to ultimately end up being. But, you know, just looking over some of Morrow's point totals, and again, this is a former captain here for the Dallas Stars here as well. He played 13 seasons with the Dallas Stars, 835 games, 528 points. He total he did play 15 years in the league here altogether, including a year in St. Louis where he scored 13 goals and 25 points. But boy, this that would be a heck of a player drill to have here, like on your squad. His best season came at the age of 29. He had 32 goals, 74 points, but he never came close to repeating that here ever again. He was more consistently a 40 mid 40s to high to low 50s throughout his career but boy i will take a leader and a guy like that who can be to play on the top line here if and when need be but he's more so going to be fitted i think for a second line leadership type role depth scoring he can play in all assets and all areas here of the game i'm i would be very very happy with a brendan morrow type player I would too. I mean, two thirty goal seasons, five twenty goal seasons. A guy who finished in Selkie voting every year, not very high, but he was seventh in 08. So, uh, yeah, I think that'd be a great, great uh, player for neighbors to turn out to be. Also, looking over Morrow's numbers and thinking about the player that he was, he kind of reminds me of what Braden Shin does for this team as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially look at the numbers, Shin kind of has had the same peaks and consistency as. Uh, as Morrow did, but I also think Shin may be a bit more of a consistent scorer because he's got 526 in uh, 777 games. Morrow had 575 at 991, so Shin probably a bit of a better scorer, but it, it similar uh, in terms of reminding me of that. But it also shows right. where we're at in the league now, the fact that Shin's, right. Shin's career high in penalty minutes is 56, and Morrow reminds me of that similar player, and his career high is 183, so... Right, kind of shows what kind of a league it is now. But yeah, it, neighbors has gotten comparisons to Shin for the longest time now, ever since the Blues drafted him. And I think Morrow is in the same vein of that type of player. So I think that's a, a really, really solid comp. And uh, I think we would take that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, so the Blues play Seattle here next. You said you want to be able to get into uh, a little bit here of Seattle. So let's let's talk some Kraken. 
Yeah, so this is a TNT game. Uh, so hopefully Panger is in between the benches, but I don't know if he will be on that national broadcast. I will say that Seattle, uh, their regular TV broadcast is really good. They got uh, John Forsland and Eddie Olchek, who I think are two of the best in the league at what they do. Obviously Olchek leaving the uh, Blackhawks for Seattle, but Seattle won one and one on the season. Um, they lost an overtime to the Ducks to open up the season. They beat the Kings 4-1, to one, and then they lost to Vegas 5-2. But goal scoring has not been an issue. They scored 10 goals in three games. They scored four in their first two games. Uh, like you said earlier, Matty Beneers off to a great start, four points already in three games. Then you look at Jaden Schwartz, the former Blue, of course, has two goals. Then they got a bunch of guys with one goal. Um, scoring has definitely not been the issue, but where the Blues are really going to be able to win this game or take over is they should not have any problems scoring goals against Grubauer and Jones, whoever starts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't got, know who it's going to be, but yeah. Grubauer, he's let up five goals here in two games. Jones has let up six and two. I don't think they're going to have any issues. I think they're going to do a better job of suppressing some of these different stars. Is this the first game that Schwartz has actually played up against the blues? I think I think every single time he's played, he was hurt. He's been hurt. Let me check that. And I, I don't know. And maybe, maybe he has played against them, but he just hasn't returned to St. Louis and suited up. It's been something to that extent where Schwartz has not either not played or not played in St. Louis. He has not played against the blues. He has not played against the blues. Okay, so that was it. So this will be the very first time that we see Jaden Schwartz go up against the the St. Louis Blues. Yep. Very, very bittersweet moment here. I'll be looking forward to it. I was always a huge Jaden Schwartz fan. Still am a huge Jaden Schwartz fan. Yeah, me too. That was one of those things where it's like, okay, you know, probably for the best if the Blues let him walk. Um, mm-hmm. I'd have a problem with it at the time. I mean, he was you know, kind of just the last couple of years of production, even though 2019, 20 before COVID, he was really good. Uh, but 19 regular season was tough. He was good in the postseason. Then 2020, 20, 21 he, injuries and shortened seasons. That's, so. that's my biggest, my biggest thing is, is the injuries versus the amount of money that he was going to command. You know, you're, yeah. you're paying for a guy who's going to be, you know, sidelined at times more than what you're going to actually have him here on the ice and you had the other guys who were coming up that were going to be cheaper and maybe just as efficient. Yeah, I mean, you take you take Sod and Buchnevich at like ten mil over Schwartz at five point five. I mean, yes. that's just something you take every single day, and that's what they had to do. They could th- this team would not be what it is right now if they were paying Schwartz five point five. I just think that that's the simple right. part of it. Um, right. And that's no slight to Jaden yeah, Schwartz. No, no slight to him, like whatsoever. It's just the fact you could see where the league was, was trending and it was needing somebody of a higher offensive caliber than what Jaden Schwartz could be able to provide here for you. It, it just was. Yeah. And he was kind of, you know, he didn't, I mean, he had four 20 goal seasons, but he didn't, he had one in 2019, 20. That was a season where the blues were really good before the COVID, uh, the pandemic. Um, but you know, just one of those things that kind of makes you think like this team every year, there's just less and less guys in that team in 2019. Uh, I don't even know how many there are right now on this current team. I mean, it's not I a very high think, number. I think there's Eight or nine. There's another guy, um, a gentleman, and I here that we were discussing this in between periods last night. Or uh, yeah, last night. My days are getting all sorts of mixed up here now. So yeah, in between periods, we we're actually talking about how there's so few guys, and I think we were counting eight or nine players from the from the original uh, from the initial original squad, which is mind blowing. I got... on how long ago that it was. So technically on the roster, I don't know if they played in the actual series of the game, but I think it's nine because I count okay. Kairu and Thomas because they were there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, then you have O'Reilly, Pareko, Shin, Tarasenko, Bennington, Bortuzzo, Barbashev. I think that's it, unless I miss somebody. But then you think about that game last night or Saturday. Now I'm doing it. Uh, if you think about that game, it was, uh, you know, Krug was on the Bruins. Achari was on the Bruins. They had Corrali on the other team. He was on the Bruins. A lot of players 
probably maybe the most in, that we'll see in a game, except for the, when they play the Bruins that were uh, in, playing in that series. So mm-hmm. very interesting number there uh, to look at. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, Prawn's gone. Schwartz is gone. Petrangelo has gone. Bo Meester, Gunnarsson. There's just a big list of, of players that are gone and it's unfortunate, but the team is still fine. So it's not that big of a deal, I guess, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, yeah, it's just something I thought about when I was watching the game. I just, yeah. you know, every year it just gets less and less. Uh, real quick before we wrap it up, uh, I think maybe mention the fact that Logan Brown probably going to be on IR now as it looks like Pitlick could be coming back in. Yep. Yeah. Um, I was kind of surprised here by this because, you know, they were saying this morning on a very rare Sunday practice that he was actually out there. So I think they have him on another PTO mm-hmm. here right now. You know, yeah. he was released just prior to the season, and then now he's back on a PTO. He looked good during preseason, but, you know, it was all a numbers game, you know, and he was just an odd man out here. And so I'm very intrigued to see what's going to happen with him. And, um, boy, it was it was hilarious seeing Logan Brown even though there was a player separating the two, but him standing alongside of Scott Brunovich. <laughs> yeah. And if you need to look it up, I mean, that's six, six, I believe Logan Brown against like five, eight or nine or, <laughs> you know, Scott Brunovich, but Holy cow. You know, I mean, it looked like it was like a, a, a six year old standing next to a 12 year old. So um, yeah, Logan Brown. I mean, I'm really hoping for a quick return here from him, but yeah, it looks like that he could be IR bound. It seems like he'll be on IR. They'll bring in Pitlick, maybe sign him for the rest of the season, have him on the roster, see what happens. That's what it seems like to me. It's kind of always felt like that's what they were going to do because of you know Pitlick earned a spot in the preseason. Like he played really well, surprisingly well. Because when they first brought him in on PTO, I was like, yeah, probably not going to happen. But I mean, yeah. James Neal made it last season, so who knows what could happen? And he's just you know not good at all. I guess I should say. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much the only injury news to report. Um, I think we wrap it up and we will uh, return so. next week for episode 31, likely mm-hmm. after, well, not likely, after the Seattle game uh, and then get you ready for Edmonton, I suppose. So yeah, uh, make Excited. sure, make sure, absolutely, season's fully underway. We're back, uh, full swing. So that's very good news. We'll see you next time for episode 31, the Believe Network, the Blue Note Podcast. Check out our Twitter at TBN Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Ethan Carter SW. You can follow Mike on Twitter at, at M underscore Meyer 3. And we'll see you next time for episode number 31. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.